One, I'm very thankful that Jennifer is part of our staff now and uh, appreciate that very much. As our staff continues to grow, it seems like it just gets cuter and cuter, so that's a good thing. I was paid to say that. No, I'm kidding. About 40 years ago, I heard a song, and uh, it's been one of my favorite songs probably all that years, all those years, and it talks about heaven. If you haven't picked up already, there's a bit of a theme here. Uh, I'm going to be sharing with you from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4 and 5, uh, not all of both of those, but portions of each, uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. So if you want to turn there, and that'd be fine. But I want to share a song with you. I don't do this very often, but I just, for whatever reason today, the Lord seemed to lay this song on my heart. And if you like uh, Bill Gaither, country, old-style country music, um, this is going to give you a little bit of that flavor. So uh, here we go. This could be the dawning of that day.
And this could be the dawning of that day. I'm going to have to sit down. <laughs> Woo! Now, it's actually not hitting that high note that I'm so excited about. It's the fact that that song could be true. Let me ask you a question. If you knew that tonight at 6 o'clock, Jesus would split through the skies. A trumpet would sound. And every one of us that know him as Savior would instantly be gone. How would that change your plans for today? If it wouldn't change them at all, then you're ready to go. But if you would have to make some phone calls... You would have to find a church that's open so you could get to the altar and make some things correct. I have good news. We're open. This could be the day that your life changes forever if you'll accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because he is more excited about coming back to get us than we are about going. Because he knows what's waiting for us. He knows what lies ahead of us for eternity. And I'm not sure why the Lord laid this on my heart, but he did, and so I want to lay it on your heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 13. The writer Paul shares this letter with his dear, dear friends in Thessalonica. He loved them tremendously, and he was very proud of them, and really appreciated the way that they were living their lives. And so he is about to close his letter with these words. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, I'm so glad for the but you here. Brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This is a powerful passage, and there are four things that I think we need to do. My... Uh, my message this morning, I've entitled it, Until We Get Home, We Must Do Four Things. Number one, live peculiar lives. Be peculiar. Oh, it's up there. Awesome. Live peculiar. What does that mean? Distinct. Different. Let me ask you something. When you got saved, did that change your life at all? Did that make any difference? Did it change your language? I hope. I hope it did. Did it change your priorities? Did it change how you spent your money? Did it change how you spent your time? It's a gorgeous day outside. What are you doing in here? What am I doing in here? I missed the tea time at 9.30. I could have been with a friend of mine. Why am I here? Well, I like to eat. <laughs> Obviously. And if I don't show up, Pastor Darrell has this funny way of saying, you don't get paid if you don't come to church. Oh, fine, I'll be there. But you see, peculiarness, the life of the peculiar Christian is marked by certain things. I just created this list as I thought about this. The peculiar people of God have transferred or changed exchanged selfishness for giving. They've exchanged self-centeredness for Christ-centeredness. They've gone from being lost to being found. They've gone from being dead to alive, from despair to hope, from fear to courage, from turmoil to peace, from sorrow to joy, from lack to abundance, from hell to heaven, from loneliness to family. You're in part of the greatest family on the planet. You have multiplied millions of people in your family. We need to remember that sometimes. Don't look around the church here and go and say, man, the church isn't very big, is it? You have no idea. You have no idea. Wait till you get to heaven. See all your brothers and sisters. 
From being a pauper to royalty, from hatred to love, from anger to contentment, from unbelief to being a believer, from worry to faith, from uncertainty to trust, you've traded in Satan for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That makes you peculiar. It doesn't, being saved does not make you better. It doesn't make you good. It doesn't make you special. It makes you saved. Amen? It makes you saved. It makes you forgiven. It makes you a believer. It, that's what makes you peculiar. Because you believe in something beyond yourself. The world is desperately looking for something or someone that can, they can believe in that will tell them the truth, that will be consistent, they will be people of integrity. They're desperately looking for that person. Guess what? We know who it is. It's Jesus Christ. God's son. And as a result, he, Paul says, you've got to live peculiar lives. What does he say in verse 5? You are sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Now, how many of you are morning people? Wow. How many of you are night people? Wow. That's frightening. How many of you are middle-of-the-day people? Yeah, honey, did you raise your hand? You better have. Yeah, Lynn and I, our goal each night is to try to stay up through the, through the weather. If we can make it to about 10, 20, we have, we have achieved a great goal. Normally, by about 10 o'clock, if I'm in my lazy boy trying to watch television, all of a sudden it'll get very... Peaceful and quiet, and then I'll, and then Linda go, honey, you're snoring. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, go to bed. Why? Because I can't hear the television. Get out of here. Go to bed. It's too early. No, go to bed. If you're going to sleep, sleep in bed. All right. And then in the morning, I wake up always early. For some reason, God wakes me up at 4 o'clock to talk to me. And I'm thinking, God, what? can't we wait just a few minutes? No, because you're going to get busy and then you won't listen. Oh, great. So, but anyway, yeah, again this morning, 4 o'clock, I'm, you know, I'm rehearsing uh, my thoughts. God's given me some other insights. And so it's, just, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but I just wish it would be like a little later, but whatever. But... You know, then it's time to wake up the princess. <laughs> honey, it's 6.20. Honey, it's 6.30. Honey, it's a quarter to seven. Just five more minutes. <laughs> Come on, honey, get up. We got to go. We got to go. Yeah, so, it, you know, we have a wonderful relationship. Perfect. It's, God knew exactly what he was doing when he brought us together. We have peculiar lives. But sons of the day and sons of the light. You see, when you're living a life of integrity, when you live a life that is pure, when you live a life that is, that is honest and straightforward, you don't have to worry about deception. You don't have to worry about hiding in the dark. You don't have to worry about, I wonder if somebody's watching me. I have news for you. God is watching you all the time. And the reason he does that is because he loves you so much he can't take his eyes off of you. It is not, he is not the eternal, 
you know, he's not the omnipresent police officer waiting to catch you doing something wrong so he can go, ha, gotcha. God has more important things to do than that. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to empower you. He wants to make you so peculiar that people are going to come up to you and go, why is it that you seem to be so together, so calm, so happy, so completely content? What is wrong with you? My nothing. I am right. Everything is right with me. And it's exciting. Once you understand the power of peculiarness, God can begin to utilize you in very powerful ways. Jesus was peculiar. Paul was peculiar. Peter finally got there. But the idea is getting to that point where you are so committed to truth and, and justice and righteousness and so on that you stick out in the normal environment because you're not normal. You're not normal. Just accept that. You're supernatural. There's a spirit that has taken up residence inside of you, the Holy Spirit, and he is there to help you do this. God doesn't make us walk this path by ourselves. He has empowered us and, and anointed us to be able to understand and walk in this pathway. Is it easy? No, it's impossible. It's impossible. Because you see, for every step you take forward, the devil comes and tries to push you back two steps. Peculiar. Number two. Paul says we need to live prepared. We need to be prepared. Verse six. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Alert. Awake. Ready to go. I may have told you this before. There's a precious lady in a little church, and her husband would come to her church, come to service with her every Sunday morning, but he would always fall asleep. Always. Just he'd make it through the worship offering. As soon as the pastor got up to begin the preaching, he would just go, Phew. it's like he was hypnotized. Just, he was out. And he'd just, you know. And, you know, the wife is looking around and just annoyed beyond words and punching him. And she finally says, I give up. I'm going to the pastor. Pastors have all the answers. How did you know? Did you know that? We know absolutely everything. I mean, you need an electrician? Call me. You need a plumber? Call me. You need to know where to invest money? Call me. No, don't call me on that one. Um, so she goes to the pastor and says, Pastor, what do I do? I can't keep my husband awake. I have no idea what to do. I'm so sorry. He's so embarrassing. pastor says, here's what you do. Get yourself some Limburger cheese. Let it get good and warm so it smells really horrible. Put it in your purse. When he falls asleep, just wave that under his nose. He'll wake up just like that. All right, I'll try it. Sure enough, the next Sunday, cheese is hidden. Pastor steps up to preach. Instantly. So she grabs the cheese, puts it under his nose. Ah! He wakes up. Well, he doesn't wake up quietly. What does he do? Dear God, Ethel, get your feet off the pillow! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. 
That's a, yeah, that story's probably 40 years old, too. Anyway, <laughs> prepared, alert, and self-controlled. What does it mean to be alert and self-controlled? It means to be ready, prepared, ready for anything that could come your way. And how do I do that? I begin to trust God in everything. I trust him fully. And my prayers become prayers of trust and thanksgiving, not of desperation and whining and pleading. I think that's a waste of time. And, and I, again, I think I'm on the right track here. But I believe that when we begin to rehearse our sins, we, can, we need to confess our failures before the Lord. But we don't need to be rehearsing them. If you've accepted Christ... And he has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And he has set you free. And you are a child of the, of the king. When you fail, what do you need to do? Simply say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. Please forgive me. Let's move forward. Boom, you're done. You're done with that prayer. You do not need to come to God and say, Well, Lord, now today I said, you know, 15 swear words. I, you know, I looked at six girls. I, I uh, you know... Because the moment you begin to rehearse your sins, I believe that the enemy somehow has a system where he can pick up information. And he will listen to that. And he will discover your weak points. He will find out where you are weak. And what will he do? He will send you 12 girls to look at for the next day. He will remind you of a hundred swear words that you haven't even used in, a, in ten years. He will bring everything back to you that, that was part of your past, and he will dump that at your doorstep, and it will cause you to stumble. That's his job. God is not interested in you rehearsing your failures. Think about it. God is interested in you thanking him and trusting him and praying blessings on yourself and your family and your friends and your neighborhood and your country and our planet. God wants you to trust him and begin to, to be alert and self-controlled in the area of how you pray. Thanking him for the blessings that are part of your life. Perfect example. Paul and Silas. They get arrested, they are beaten and thrown into the inner, inner uh, dungeon of this prison in Philippi. How do they respond to that situation? What is it, what's the Bible say they did? They're, they're bleeding, they're sore, they're in an uncomfortable position, they were probably shackled in a certain weird way just to make it worse. And they're, they're excited. We have been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. I don't know if they sang English or if they knew that song, who cares? I'm preaching. To God be the glory. You know, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, they're praising God. Now, if I was in that situation... Or maybe some of us, some of us were in that situation. How would that, how would it sound differently? Oh, God, where are you, God? I'm right where I always am. Oh, God. 
just got beat. No kidding. We're uncomfortable. Oh, this is awful. Oh, God, get us out of here. Please, please. God, just please get me out of this. I'll never do whatever it was that got me in here again. Never and ever and ever. I'll be good forever. How many of you have ever negotiated with God? That is ridiculous. It's, you know, for, we give God information he already has. And we're, we're trying to, you know, I don't know about you, but I love my little grandkids. They're awesome. Until they start whining. And I want to send them to China. Or Afghanistan. I'm, I'm not even picky. Just get on the plane. See ya. You know, and it's just, it's like somebody just took a, a taser and just, it's like, you know, we'll, we'll have something for them to eat. Ashton and Ariana will be together. And Ariana gets one thing, and so I give something different to Ashton. Oh, that was a mistake. Oh, I don't want to eat this. She has it. Trust me, I do not immediately break into praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I want to break something, but it's not into song, trust me. God does not respond well to whining. Stop it. It doesn't, it doesn't move him. What moves him is the fact that we trust him and are grateful and we begin to rejoice in the midst of a bad situation. And what happens? God goes, wow, look at those angels. Come here, look at this. Look at Paul and Silas. They're praising, they're, they're singing, they're just, I mean, they're having church in the middle of that dungeon. That can't be. Let's fix this. Go down there and fix that. Chains fall off. And what does Paul do? He doesn't go running, oh, thank you, God, thank you, God, I'm free, I'm free. No, he, he leads the jailer to Christ. You see, Peculiar people, prepared people are alert and self-controlled and they are ready for any situation. It drives me nuts that people as Christians become so paranoid about what's going on in the world. Do you think God is not aware of this? That God for some, you know, he's been on vacation and now all of a sudden he's coming back going... (gasps) Where's my angel assistant? Where's the Melanie that's supposed to be working for me up here? The one that makes everything happen. Why didn't you tell me? That? Why didn't you text me this was happening? God knows. Stop acting like he doesn't get it. Get out of that paranoia attitude. And when you hear the news, I, I don't recommend watching the news, but if you hear it, just say, God, thank you that you know and understand and you have given me the power to be alert and self-controlled in this, in, this, in this situation of life. I will do this because, Father, you are helping do it through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Number three, live with power, power, power. Verse 8, 
take a look at it. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Living with power. People that live with power understand faith, love, and hope because those are the key elements that give us the strength to, do, to get up in the morning. If I didn't have a faith in God, I didn't have a hope of salvation, if I didn't know God loved me, why get up? Why, why on earth would you walk out of your door and go into this world, the enemy's territory? What is he, notice what he says there. What, is, what, is he, he, what does he say faith is? Putting on faith and love as a what? A breastplate and then the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now who needs to wear a helmet and a breastplate? Soldiers and daycare workers, but soldiers mostly. <laughs> soldiers. Well then, does that mean this is kind of a battle? Duh. Do you get, don't you realize it's, that the enemy is out there right now waiting for you to get out of church so he can hit you again? I, already, I can already hear some of the conversation. You're going to get in your car? Oh, man, that Pastor Fred, he just talks forever and ever and ever. I didn't think he'd ever quit. He's, uh, he's talking about heaven and all that stuff. Yeah, whatever. I, you know, and don't get into a conversation with the enemy. It will mess, your, it'll mess with your mind, which is his goal. He wants to discourage you. He wants to make you lose hope, faith. The devil is all about fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. Those are the four weapons that he has at his disposal. That's all he has. Fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. Faith fights all of those. The breastplate of faith will help you overcome those, those darts. Those fiery darts that will come at you every single day. Anybody here, ever? have you ever doubted in your mind, in your heart, about either the Bible or maybe your salvation or does God hear my prayers? Anybody here ever doubt? The rest of you are liars. Okay, that's good. Just kind of know who I'm dealing with here. That's good. But you see, power comes when I know that there is something greater than myself in charge. Then I have power. I have the power. I have strength. When I know that there's somebody bigger and stronger and more powerful than I am, and they like me, that's great. If someone is bigger and stronger and more powerful than I am and they don't like me, that's fear. But if I know that Christ has died for me, if I know that God loves me, if I know that this is true and the word of God is the truth, then I have the power to rise up against what does the Bible say? How are we supposed to handle the devil? Resist him. Well, how are you going to do that? Just by yourself? No. In the power of the Lord. Jesus, how did Jesus resist the enemy during his temptation? What did he do? Just, all right, come on, devil, let's do it. Come on, let's go. No. The power of the word. The power of the word. If God could create the universe by simply speaking it, don't you think that you would have power by speaking his word? Let me go back to the idea of praying again. Think about it. 
You want power in your prayers? Pray the word of God. Pray the word of God. Stop whining. Stop, stop rehearsing sins. Stop rehearsing failures. Begin to pray the word of God. How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, I don't hear any needs mentioned yet. Then he says what? Give us this day our daily bread. The power of trusting God for provision. And then what? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And what's the rest of it? What it no, you gotta, you got to say it louder than my hearing's not that good. For thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? That's, that's what Jesus, when the, the substance Jesus teaches how to pray, that's how he prayed. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that Jesus is saying, all right, well, here's how it goes. Dear God, we're going to be persecuted, we're going to get killed, we're going to get beat, we're gonna, I mean, life's going to be tough, it's horrible, please help us. Amen. No. Jesus presented them with this, this relational prayer that puts all of the trust and all of the gratitude, all of the provision into the lap of God, and he wants to then pour it into our lives. That's how this works. Does that mean that you will live a perfect life, you will never have a car accident, you will never be fired, you will never get cancer, you will never be sick, you will never be poor? No. All that stuff could come your way, and all of it has in some cases. You know, it's all part of the process. But we are not people of this world. We're peculiar. We trust God. We thank him in the midst of the difficulties. Read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. There are people in here that had problems. Joseph, all the prophets, Jesus himself, Paul, Timothy, Mark, Peter, every one of them dealt with issues in their lives, but did it, did it break them? No, because of they understood the power that they had. It's the power that we have through Christ that helps us to do all things. I can do all things through Christ. Who what? Strengthens me. What do you need strength for? To have power. Last thought. Then he says, live with purpose. I, you know, why are you here? Have you ever thought about that? Why are you on this planet? Why are you still here? How many of you have ever faced death? Well, apparently God wasn't ready yet. You still had some other things to do. You see, the moment you are born, the purpose kicks in. God has a purpose for you. For some of us, it's been, you know, to find that life's partner and to have kids and then to have grandkids. And grandkids are still God's reward for not killing your own kids. I still believe that, but... Um, but purpose, we have purpose, we have a reason. Jesus came with a very specific purpose. He called his disciples for a very specific purpose. And so, is your purpose in life to make money? No, no, not at all, not really, no, no way. You can do anything to make money. What is God's purpose for your life? To trust him and enjoy him forever. That's pretty cool. That's a great purpose. And uh, 
I heard, a, I heard a guy on the radio, he made this, he, he, it was just a very quick passing statement, and it has so caught me that he said that, that people approach life from two different perspectives. They're either an ornament or an instrument. Now, what do you do with ornaments? You just kind of hang around. You just hang them up. You look at them. Yeah, if you were going to live your life based on your ornaments, your Christmas ornaments, you'd be dead in about a week. They will not do anything for you. They just hang there. And yet it seems like all of the emphasis in our lives is to become nicer ornaments. I want to, be, I want to have a better body, tighter skin, whiter teeth, nicer hair, better clothes, nicer car, nicer house better job, more money. What is that? It's ornamentation. It's just ornamentation. It's just, trust me, there's, somebody's, there's always somebody with a bigger ornament than yours. A nicer, it's got more gold than you got. I, uh, I actually, I ran into someone, it's been probably over a year ago now, at the Baltimore airport. And he is the mentor of a, of a man by the name of Wally Armstrong, who is a professional golfer. And he wrote the book, The Mulligan, and he wrote another book called Practicing the Presence of Jesus. Well, this past Thursday morning, I actually met Wally Armstrong at a golf course. I know that's a shock, but anyway. Um, yeah, I was at a golf course, imagine that. Um, but anyway, this golf course is the, basically the personal golf course of a, of a multi-millionaire. And there's about 60 members at this, golf, at this course. Michael Jordan happens to be one of them. And this is the course I'm playing on. Well, if God was going to play golf, this is the course he would go to. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yet, here I am with, this, with Wally Armstrong, a professional golfer who loves Christ more than anything in the world, and the whole time we're driving around, it's like, can you believe this amazing creation that God has for us? I mean, we were praising God, and then there were a couple of shots I was praising the Lord, a couple other shots I was not praising the Lord, but, you know, I pray, I pray a lot on the golf course. God, please don't let that ball go in the water. God, please don't let that ball go in the weeds. He doesn't answer me very often, but every so often. But you see, I, you know, I stood on this property, and this guy's got a, he has his own car, this guy's name is Jerry Rich, He's, he has his own car museum. He's got 20 Ferraris in this barn in mint condition. Packards, vets, motorcycles. I mean, it's just, I mean, I was just like, and yeah, Wally and I, this is like playing golf in heaven. I mean, the, the fairways are like carpet. And it's, it's, it was just insane. But guess what? Those are ornaments. The cool thing is that Wally is an instrument of peace. He has led more corporation people to Christ. He has led more golfers to Christ. And to be around him was just absolutely amazing because you could, you could just sense the presence of, of the Lord in this man's life. And it was just awesome. He was an instrument of God. That's what you are. That's your purpose, to become an instrument in your family and your friends, your workplace, and so on and so forth. But an instrument of peace. 
to help encourage and build people up. Your purpose. Notice what Paul says our purpose is in verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. One of the amazing things about playing golf with him was it was, we didn't even keep score. I'm playing on one of the nicest golf courses in the country, and we're not even keeping score because it didn't matter. We were out there to simply enjoy fellowship. And so if I hit a bad shot, he'd say, you know, just hit another one. Just go ahead, hit another one. Or come here, here, just hit from where I am. It's fine. Just, let's just play. We're just having a good time. We're just loving God's creation. Now, to me, that was, I mean, I literally thought I died and gone to heaven there. But it was, it was that, it was the environment that he created, that Wally created, that I was allowed to be a part of. What kind of an environment are you creating with your family and friends? That's the bottom line question. Because if you say, I want you to become, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. There's too many Christians that, you know, they travel through life going, oh, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Do you want to come to church with me? Oh, probably not. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm so worried. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Life is hard. Life is hard. You know, just, oh, God deliver me and us from that. But let us so impact. Let us become such amazing employees that we literally become invaluable to the company that we work for. Let us become such awesome neighbors that we become invaluable to the people around us. Something Wally said that was really cool. He says in the, with his golfer friends, he takes, he'll take two guys and he'll train them to, to set up conversations on the golf course so that they can begin to find out about two other golfers that may be non-believers. So they'll get together on a Friday and have like this Bible study, and then Saturday morning, they go to a golf course two, with two guys and get paired up with two other people that, uh, so they can talk to them while they're playing golf. You've got four hours to witness to somebody on the golf course, and they're captive. They're not going anywhere. They pay to play. They will be there. And he said that... And one of these times, there was a guy that would, he, had, he was handicapped. His leg, I think, uh, he had a prosthetic or something, a uh, leg, prosthesis for a leg. And he hit a ball in the sand trap, and, you know, he hit the ball out. And so one of the guys, one of the Christian guys, ran over and, and raked that sand trap for him, took care of it for him. And that guy said, you know what, I've been playing golf for 25 years. That is the first time anybody has ever helped me take care of a sand trap. You see, it's not about getting into a theological discussion. Encourage and build up. You know what? We can do this. We can do this. You know why? Because I said so. No, because the Bible says so. And I agree with the Bible. We can do this. You can live your life in such a way that you become so peculiar, so prepared, have such power and understand your purpose in life is to encourage and build people up. That's just absolutely fun. Just encourage and build up, you know, what is it? Pay it forward. You know, 
just out of the blue, pay for somebody. I was at Walmart, simple little thing. Uh, the lady behind me said, was, told her little girl, honey, go get a big bag of ice. And I looked at her, and then I realized the size of the bag of ice. I thought, that'll be a struggle. So I said, I got it for you. She said, oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. No, I got it, I got it. So I went over, and I just grabbed this big bag of ice and carried it over and just set it in her cart. And then uh, she said, oh, thank you, sir. And I said, my pleasure. And then I said, hey, I could work at Chick-fil-A. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but it was, it was just a simple thing. But it encouraged and lifted that woman up. I don't know, I have no idea beyond that. What, you know, whatever. While, while ago again, Walmart parking lot, this elderly couple is struggling, trying to put a bag of dirt in the trunk of their car. So I thought, well, I can do that. So I just went over and said, here, let me have that. Picked it up, just put it in their car and said, hey, have a great day, God bless. I was on my way. That's it. Okay? I did not need to take 15 minutes and say, now ma'am, you realize this ice is cold and it's going to be cool in heaven, but it's hot in hell and you better be ready. <laughs> so, that, you know, the, we don't have to look for those kinds of opportunity unless God says, tell her. You know, that bag of dirt, you know, you're going to be six foot under not too long. You're both pretty old, so you better, you, you know where you're going? You know, I, you, you know, that's not the goal, okay? It's not the idea here. Let the Holy Spirit handle that area. He will use you, but you'll, it'll be people that you have a relationship with. That's your mission field. That's why God wants you peculiar. So you'll stand out among the people that you know. That's why he wants you alert and self-controlled so that you're ready when he says now. The power is there. And the purpose is very real. We're going to get to go home early today. Awesome. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray, but I want to ask you a question first. Let me go back to my earlier question. If it's six o'clock tonight, you heard a trumpet blast, and you looked around and realized there were a lot of people missing, but you were not, that would be uncool, to say the least. I want to pray for you right now. If you are not sure that heaven is your eternal home, if there's a question in your mind at all, I just want you to simply just raise your hand. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward or any of that. I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to agree with you in prayer that you will have the assurance of salvation before you leave today. Anybody? Just raise your hand. Awesome. Heavenly Father, I stand in a church filled with believers. I stand in a church filled with people that are peculiar. They're here on a Sunday morning on a beautiful day. They could be doing a thousand other things. But they've come to your house to worship your name, to acknowledge your presence, to recognize that, Father, you are God. We're peculiar, we're different. 
Father, thank you that you have called us to be prepared. Help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make us more alert and self-controlled than we've ever been before. Because the days are getting more evil as we sit here. Unbelievable things are happening in legislatures across this country. Laws are being passed that are unbelievable. And so, Father, it's simply your word told us this would happen, and so we acknowledge that. But, Father, we don't worry because we have the power of faith and hope and love, and we have that to share with other people. And thank you, God, that you've given us a very clear purpose. It's to be an instrument of peace, to uplift and to encourage and to strengthen and to share the greatest news this world has ever ever, ever, ever heard Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. And I thank you for the truth of all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 May I ask the ushers if they would come. We want to share in a benevolence offering very quickly before we leave. And again, thank you so much for all that you do through the year. And these benevolence offerings, it helps us to be able to help so many people. And again, thank you for being here this morning. Um, it's always fun to preach to people. And I hope you've realized that I had fun. Because I just can. So, praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the offering that we are about to receive now. Thank you, God, that it is going to help those that are having a hard time helping themselves right now. So, Father, I pray a blessing on each one that will receive from this offering. I pray a blessing on each one that gives in this offering. And that, Father, in all of this, in all of it, your name will be glorified, your kingdom will be expanded, and, Father, our lives will be made that much better. Again, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for giving. Um, I'd just like to reiterate a couple of things very quickly in the way of announcements. Uh, in two weeks, is our, uh, we'll have another church picnic and uh, what we call wet and wild. And this is something for the kids. And uh, I just encourage the kids, well, some of the adults are probably going to get involved too, just because they do, but that's fine. We're going to have a slip and slide, we'll have water balloons, we'll have hoses, sprinklers, all kinds of great fun things for the kids. And uh, the, uh, it's just a great day. So bring your squirt guns, bring your swimsuit if you'd like to. Just, let's just have some fun as a church together. And uh, again, I'm, my focus will be on the children. But if you attack me with water, I will attack you back. Just so you know. <laughs> Diane, just so you know. Okay. Be forewarned. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to have a great day. Again, it's just uh, bring a salad or a dessert to share. We'll provide the beverage and the meat. And uh, it's going to be a great day. And uh, church is a great place to have a good time, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, let's all stand, and I'm going to bless you with the blessing of the Lord. And then we're going to be able to, we'll beat the Baptist to the Old Country Buffet today by a bunch. So we're good. All right, here we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 
In Jesus' name, let it be so in each of your lives. Amen. 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 Goodbye.